is with a great sense of Yiras HaKovah that I introduce Rabel Wein Shlita. Rabel Wein, to my mind, is Isha Eshkalot. I don't think there's any rub of this genre anymore on the planet. I hope Rabel Wein doesn't mind that comment. Chazal say, Tamanei Chacham calls man she misdaktim daitom mitvaseh v'saleh. Tamanei Chacham will get older, just get wiser. Rabbi Wein is a fascinating personality. I was zochet to hear him many times in different venues, whether it's on Jewish history, he was a Rosh Hashiva in Mansi, a Mechaber of Svarim, a lawyer, he worked for the OU, so many different roles, Jewish history, many, many wonderful, outstanding tomes that he edited, even recently, a more recent uh, publication as well. I actually read all the four coffee table books. I just didn't read the last one. It's <laughs> I apologize for my wayward behavior. But Rabbi Wein is literally, to my mind, the last of the normal Rabbonim. And we have to hold on to him. Admer v'yesim shana. Bebrius in the Hora Malia. Ez Hashem is Barach. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shigivim. Arichus Yom Bishonim. And we should continue to be Zochad to have such a breath of fresh air in our midst. Someone who can interact with all the different elements of the world. He was also Zoche to be a Talmud of Hagoyim, of Chaim Kreisworth. Chicago, you'll notice he still has a bit of an accent. That Chicago accent comes to the fore. He was in Florida. So many different places, so many different venues. Chazal saying, Lo hamboka mechavides ha'odam, and ha'odam mechavides hamboka. He is someone who's mechavid us by his very presence. He's mechavid samokah. What a schus, what a great honor, what a privilege to be zochet to have. Hagoyin Rabbeinu Wine, Shlita, Shashem should give him continued strength and koach. La'elo la'elo. Thank you, Rabbi David. Uh, I think you and I know better, but I appreciate it anyway. <laughs> you are all privileged to live in a biblical moment. You're living the Chumash. You're living safer Shoftim, Malachim. If you listen carefully, the Novi Yishayahu is talking to you, the Novi Yirmiyo is talking to you, the Novi Micha is talking to you. Moshe Rabbeinu said that. There's a time that the Lord allows people eyes to see and ears that allow us to hear correctly. It's a choice moment. Something that should affect the rest of your lives.
So we should be able to see it in perspective. Because the Torah is perspective. That's why it tells us all of these things that when we are young, we don't quite understand, and when we're older, we don't appreciate. You know, there's an old bad joke which rabbis love that there was an ignorant woman who uh, came to Shul once a year. And she always came, Parshas Vayeshev. <clears throat> and uh, she didn't know anything, she was illiterate. So she asked her neighbor in the Ezra's Noshim, what's the, uh, you know, what, what's the, uh, so she said, oh, it was the story, story about whom? Oh, it was a man, Yosef, and he had brothers. So she said, what happened? And she said the brothers were angry at him and they sold him into slavery. Oh, she said, brothers, Jews should behave like that. And she's weeping. She's uncontrollable. The next year she comes again, Parsha's Vayeshev, and she clamors up the stairs to the Yedras Noshim. And she asks the woman, uh, you know, what's going on? So the woman again tells her, you know, there's this boy Yosef and his brothers treat him badly and they sell him into slavery and everything. And she is stone-faced. No emotion whatsoever. And the neighbor remembers her and says, I don't understand, Pasha, last year I told you the story. We had to bring smelling salts to the doctor to revive you. This year, nothing. And she said, if he's stupid enough to go back this year, I'm not going to win. <laughs> well, that's how we look at Chumash. We know the story. And if he's stupid enough to go back, so I don't have to carry him there. So the Rebbe Shalom gives us a vignette, a living piece of Torah and Tanakh. So you're a generation that did not witness the Holocaust. That really didn't deal with survivors from the Holocaust. So the Tochecha never was real. My generation, where I grew up, in Chicago, and the survivors limped in. It was very real. And when I was privileged to discuss matters with the Satmar Rabbi, the old Rabbi Yale, when I was a rov in Miami Beach, if you wanted to learn COVID or bonus, that was the, he came to visit me. I'm the rabbi in town. He's the Satmarov. His Gabbai told me that he never slept in a bed after the, after the Holocaust. 
he would sit and he would talk to him. And all of a sudden, you notice, he fell asleep for a minute or two. And then when he woke up, he resumed the conversation exactly where he left off. I learned a few lessons. You don't have to agree with a person to see him as a holy person. You don't have to be from the same generation. But there are people who are soil upon whom we are built. That we are built in such moments as the ones that we are living in now. So we read in the Parsha because everything is in the Parsha. That's the first rule in life. Everything's in the Parsha. I remember uh, my Rebbe Reb Mendel, the in the Chicago Yeshiva. So Bocher asked him a very personal question about a woman that he was going out with and he didn't know what to do or not to do, you know. He asked the Rebbe for advice, which I don't know if that foolishness still exists. So the Rebbe said to him, bring the chumash. Bring a chumash. And I was a fly on the wall. And I thought to myself, what in the world has a chumash got to do with what he's asking? And he flipped through the chumash and he came through. And he came to the Posik Al Kain Yazovish, Esovi Vesimo, Vedovak Pishto, Voyulabosor Echot. So he said, What what does that Posik say? That Posik we heard hundreds of times. Every time we read Chumish Brashus. So he told them, your problem is that you didn't leave your father and mother. If you don't leave your father and mother, you'll never have a successful marriage. Remendel Kaplan. Remendel Kaplan. And I thought to myself, you could pay a marriage counselor $50,000 an hour, and he couldn't hit the ball the way Remendel could. (coughs) Because that's the key. The Torah told you. So the Torah tells us we had a father of our home. Ovinu is my Zeta. And the Torah describes him as a man of great faith, he's tested throughout his life. He's thrown in the fire of Urkazdim. His wife is kidnapped. You know, Hamas is not new. 
part of the thing to realize now is that this is a rewind. This is a replay. It's not new. It may be new for you because it never happened before. And it may disturb your plans to go to Harvard. But it's not new. We're an old people. We've seen everybody. We've seen everything. And everybody is gone and we're still here. You have to stop and think about that. I heard an interview with uh, a KGB agent who was a spy for the KGB here in the United States for, for almost uh, 40 years. His name is Barsky. I couldn't figure out whether he's Jewish or not. And uh, I think uh, uh, it was on 60 Minutes, I believe. And the interviewer, uh, this whole story was just wild. How he was able to survive and do the job and have a normal life in the United States and marry and have children and be a citizen and get elected to the town council and everything. And he's a Russian spy. So uh, the interviewer asked him, what were the uh, what was the Kremlin afraid of? What what things disturbed them? So he said they were afraid of the missiles that America had all around Russia. They were afraid of Ronald Reagan, the only president they were afraid of, because they felt he had the capacity to push the button. And they were afraid of the Jews. Because it was the Jews that brought them down. The Jews won the Cold War. Mendelovich, Ida Nudel, all the little Jews, Sharansky, they brought them down. So Avram Avinu lives in a very hard world. And it's a disappointing world. The Revolution made him a lot of promises and none of them came true yet. And nothing happened. Comes there to show there's nothing to eat. His wife is kidnapped. His nephew, whom he raises as a child, is treacherous. He says, I can't be I don't want anything to do with the old man. He moves to stone. 
gets a condo in Las Vegas. He's in good shape. And then there's a war that Avraham Avinu had nothing to do with. And the war lasts 25 years. And somehow, Lot gets involved, gets captured. And Avraham Avinu tries to redeem him. Somebody else would have said, you know, you made your bed, sleep in it. And he redeems Dome. And he argues for it. And he says, don't destroy it. <coughs> so the Torah sums up Avraham Avinu in a few words. Vehemin Ba'ashem. He believed in God. He really believed. He didn't pay him lip service. He didn't just put on the costume. For him, he believed in God. By The Rabbi Sholem thought that was a good thing. Oh, here's my man. Kiechot Krosiv, the Novi says. There's only one. You're the father of everything that's good in the world. But there was one moment of doubt for Avraham Avinu. We read it in the Parsha. And the Rabbani Shalom promises him Eretz Yisrael. Avram says, How do I know that it's going to come true? How do I know that I'm going to inherit it? How do I know I'm going to survive in this place? That moment, Avram Avinu's faith wavers. We just said, Vehemin Barshem. So now he says, How do I know? The Rashi quotes the Gemara. If you don't know Gemara, you don't know Judaism. It's a terrible truth proven all over all the centuries. Those that held on to the Gemara had Jewish grandchildren. Those that didn't, out of all sorts of reasons. So, by me, how am I going to know? So, the Gemara says, because he'll know through Corbonos. Now, Corbonos has many meanings and many nuances. Simple pshat is Corbonos, Corbon Tomid, Corbon Musaf, Corbon Pesach. Corbonos that the Torah says we are to be mockery. 
Then when the base of Migdash is rebuilt, we'll bring Korbonos. But until then, Korbonos also has a meaning. We see what the meaning is. We see what Korbonos are. We see the price the Jewish people pay over and over and over again. After the Holocaust, Jews said, never again. (coughs) That's spitting in the wind. Doesn't take long for again to kind of come again. So the Rebbeim Sholem told him, you know how you'll know you'll get hurt to soil? You'll pay for it. Pay for it in wealth. Pay for it in lives. Pay for it in being socially ostracized. You'll pay for it by not being politically correct. You'll pay for it. But it'll be yours. Novi says, uh, we recited the Torah on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. Ko Amar Hashem, Matzachin Bamidbar Am Sridei Choreb, Haloch Largio Yisrael. One of the things that I don't understand, there are a few things I don't understand. Very few. I don't understand why the people with a book don't know what book you're talking about. How could it be that we don't know Tanakh? How could it be that the Nevi'im are strangers to us? When I went to the yeshiva a long time ago, I remember when the Chicago Bears were good. (laughs) How could it be? So the Rebbe that taught you Gemara taught you Tanakh. Every day when the Gemara was over, now we're going to learn a half hour Tanakh. So we learned the Sefer Yeshaya, Yermia, Yechevskel, Treyosar. We even learned the Yov. God's Word. If I may say, even a further heresy. That knowing Tanakh comes before knowing a lot of other things. A lot of other great sort. Isaiah told me that in Valojan, where he was a Talmud, everybody knew Gans Tanakh from beginning to end. 
So the Novis tells us, the Jewish people are in a desert. The desert, you have no help. You have no food. You have no water. You have no sustenance. Nobody is there for you. Take a look at the world today. Take a look at where the intellectuals are. Academia, the Nobel Prize winners. The vaunted universities. All who show him. Zdom Vamora. We're in a midbar. But Rabboni Shalom says, The Jewish people have a chain. There's no way to define that word, a chain. Either you've got it or you don't. And the Lord said, The Jewish people have found chain in my eyes. They're a special people with all of the problems, with all of the defects, with all of the nonsense. What's a chain? says he finds us somehow worthy of grace and of pleasure. Haloch lahargia Yisrael. He comes to quieten us. He comes to soothe us. He comes to say that there'll be better days. He comes to say, hang in there. You're my team. You're my people. And that's been the attitude there at Israel. I always mention it. When uh, I first became a uh, grandfather, now I've become a great-grandfather, Baruch Hashem, many times over, and the next generation is generating. (laughs) So, you know, my little grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and the little ones, they look at me like, you know, who that? (laughs) what's my connection to him but when you grow up you realize that's your connection you want to be like your Zayda you want to be like what the past was so anyway, my grandchild was going to celebrate his third birthday. And my wife insisted that she's going to make a birthday party for my three-year-old grandson. She didn't ask him whether he wanted it or not. But, uh, famous comedian that has a routine about your first birthday and your last birthday 
are all the same. You don't know who's there. You didn't ask them to come. You don't know what the Toma is. Just leave me alone. <laughs> so she's making the birthday party. Okay, fine. You'll learn in life that if your wife wants to do something, let her do it. <laughs> And I got the assignment, I'm going to buy the gift for my three-year-old grandson. So since my grandson is naturally precocious, so I have to buy him a gift that is educational and inspirational and not dangerous. It takes research to buy something for a three-year-old. I went to uh, Toys R Us, of blessed memory. (laughs) I spent a half hour looking for this miracle gift. Believe me, I was the only rabbi in the store. And then I used to dress like a rabbi, so yeah, conspicuous. Finally, I decided on the gift that I was going to buy. I went to the counter. I paid for it, brought it home, came to the party, and I presented it to my grandchild. And he spent the next hour playing with the box. (laughs) That is the Jewish people in Eretz Yisrael. They play with the box. They're not playing with what's inside. I don't see what's happening. The great Tzodek HaKohen Milublin, the great Hasidic Rebbe, one of the seminal minds of the last centuries. So in the pre-Tzadik, he mentions, and then he repeats it over and over again in his other works. The world is divided 2,000 years to Two thousand years Torah, two thousand years Yemosa Mashiach, till we come to the Yelef Hashvi, Yom Shekulo Shabbos Umnucha Lachanya Ulomi. Absodic is a gold mine, but you have to be able to mine it. Because on the surface, you know, you don't quite understand what he's getting at. I've devoted uh, much of uh, my efforts to understanding him because he's the uncle of my grandmother. And he didn't have children, so the Jewish people are his legacy. So Ipsodic says as follows, that at the end of every era, the beginning of the new era is already sprouting, even if we don't see it. So he says at the end of Tov Avoh, already Torah was beginning. That's what it means, the Ova said Torah. The Levim and Mitzrayim somehow had Torah. 
the gula is already sprouting. And at the end of the period of Torah, into the Yemosa Mashiach, so then the longing for Mashiach is already sprouting. Jewish people have been in exile for 18, 1900 years. You know, all of a sudden they got nervous. What happened the first 1700 years? But at the end, they felt the Elifashvi coming. The Gula is coming. You have to sense it. It speaks to your soul. Gives you a different perspective on what's happening. Now why God does it that way, I don't know. The Lord has not spoken to me in the last two weeks. I have no idea as to anything. But I do know that the Rabboni Shalom has seen us this far. And he has shown us miracles over miracles. I'll tell you a statement the Pun of Jerov told me. <coughs> you should try to talk to great people, even if you're, you know, even if you don't feel that you're worthy or dressed or part of the uh, milieu, that has nothing to do. See what great people look like, even if, even if you wouldn't vote for them. So the Panavajarov told me that he used to have conversations with Ben-Gurion. told me many funny things, but I'm not going to share them with you. But one idea he told me is that Ben-Gurion said in 1956 to the Pont of he said, where are the Jews? Eretz Yisrael then was two and a half million people. He said, where are the Jews? He said, I thought we'd make a state, you know, millions of Jews would want to come. Nobody moved. So the Punavishirov told him the Jews will come. So Bengurian said, What do you mean the Jews will come? And you can't get one Jew out of the Soviet Union. There's a million Jews there. Can't get one of them. And American Jewry certainly is not coming. So the Panavizharov told them, don't worry. They'll all come. So Begurian said to him, who will come first? So the Panavizharov told them, the Russians will come first. So he said, why? He says, because the Lord always does the smaller miracle before the bigger miracle. We'll see the bigger miracles too. But we have to be what we have to be. We have to be strong. We have to speak the truth. 
have to not be cowered by what others say or what the majority thinks or what is acceptable or not. That's us. So that requires behavior, requires knowledge, requires commitment, it requires building a family, which is not an easy thing. And I hate to disillusion you, but you're not going to find the perfect girl. That's not how you go about it. I don't think that sorry made you had a resume. <laughs> but you have to do it. That's your job. That's what you're here. Kilakachnutsarta. The Masusia Shori begins, Machovas Odombolomo, what am I doing here? If you have no answer to that, then your life is worthless. So we have a chance to live through moments of greatness, of sacrifice, of bitterness, of fear. When I was, uh, the siren sounded eight times in Ramat Bechemesh on Simchat Torah. It went down eight times. My daughter said to me, Daddy, I said, I have never felt more Jewish in my life. This proves it. Otherwise, how would they do these things? What do they want from us? Why aren't we, why we could be Uzbekistan? Who needs, who needs this? Amiata, you are my people. And you're going to prove it. And that's really our task especially as B'nai Torah. Not only now in the year that you're here, but when you go back and then later in life, when there'll be plenty of opportunities to be tested. You should always remember that you're B'nai Torah, who you come from, what you've experienced. And the Lord will give us better days, easier moments, and will be zolche to nechamas siyo nevinyan Yerushalayim. Amen. Thank you. Thank Rabbi Wan very, very much for beautiful, heartwarming words. Should I ask maybe one or two questions? You ask the questions, I may not give an answer. But, you know. <laughs> well, they're all intimidated. <laughs>